Good morning, everyone. We appreciate you spending some time with the show. Big show this morning. We are going to speak with two new members of our government. Well, I shouldn't say new members, just new positions. We have got uh, Ben Thomas, Speaker of the House, will join us coming up at 835 to discuss working with the new governor, priorities in the House of Representatives, what they believe they can get done, or are we going to have gridlock? We will talk about the uh, uh, AEL or the aggregate expenditure limitation and whether or not that's going to be overridden sooner rather than later. And then at 905, we will speak with the superintendent of public instruction, Tom Horn, someone who has also been our attorney general and previously about 20 years ago was also the superintendent. Talk about the new direction, if there is one, for the Department of Education in the state of Arizona. All that's coming up this morning pretty quick in the show, so please stick around. I want to start off with a local story that I was watching last night as the sheriff of Maricopa County. I was watching him on the news last night, and then again this morning I heard him on with Arizona Morning News talking about bringing drugs into the jail, and these are corrections officers, these are jailers, whatever you want to call them. These are employees of the MCSO that were, one of them in, in fact, was caught bringing drugs or he's accused of it, but they found him with fentanyl pills and methamphetamine on him. Uh, and so the sheriff addressed this very quickly and had some pretty stern words. Here's just a little bit of what he said about the drugs in the jail. We've had in 2022, 172 inmates were taken to the hospital because of drug-related overdose incidents. 17 of the in-custody deaths that were the result of overdose of drugs or a major contributing factor. Now, it is uh, it is considered, and I would agree with this, it is such a major breach when you have people that are hired to enforce the law that are actually breaking the law. But I wonder how big of a problem this is. We understand in our prison systems, outside of the jails, jails and prisons are different. But in our prison system, there is also issues with inmates overdosing and doing drugs in jail. How do those drugs get in? Sometimes they're brought in by people that are visiting. Other times, unfortunately, it is people that are paid to protect and paid to serve, paid to uh, enforce laws. They get caught up in this. So uh, I'm not making excuses. Uh, there are a couple of things you need to know about corrections. Uh, I would say that uh, of all of the law enforcement agencies around the state, there are a couple of things that are true about corrections. Number one, I think it is largely ignored, meaning that people don't don't necessarily consider them law enforcement, but they they definitely are, and they do a difficult job where uh, they are definitely outmanned. They are they are outnumbered by great numbers. Um, they are unarmed with lethal force, at least when they are walking in the prisons and the jails, and they are dramatically underpaid. Now, I'm not making excuses for breaking the law. I'm giving you some background on corrections. What that does in many cases is make people, especially young people, susceptible. And this corrections officer was hired, I believe, in 2019. It makes them a lot more susceptible to bribery or intimidation, whatever it might be. Now, there's no excuse for what happened. This is a young man that was entrusted with enforcing laws that ended up breaking laws, that ended up being on the wrong side of the law. Not only does he put inmates in danger, as you just heard the the sheriff talking about this and saying that, you know, the number of inmates who have gone who have overdosed while in jail. But we all know that with fentanyl, there is an exposure risk that uh, law enforcement agencies have changed their protocol when handling drugs. They've even had to change a little bit about how they do things when using drug sniffing dogs because exposure. There was just a video that was out um, in recent months, and I think it was out of Florida, where an officer uh, came in contact with fentanyl and she overdosed. 
ghost and she was in uniform and they had to uh, employ Narcam to keep her alive. I think they had to do it maybe once or twice because the exposure alone made her overdose on the drug. So this is something that is extremely dangerous, but not to mention the betrayal. Because, you know, you're you're charged with being law enforcement and you're part of the criminal element walking among other deputies or among other uh, jailers that are in there. And it's just it's very difficult. So the sheriff was talking about the charges for all of this. We will be prosecuting him for possession or use of narcotic drugs, promoting prison contraband and transport for sale. We are also charging him with counts related to theft because he was falsifying overtime slips alleging that he was working when he was not. You know, it's just it's unfortunate no matter what kind of things you do. And I would imagine and I don't know this for sure. I don't know the background check system for corrections, but I would imagine it is it is just as stringent or close to as stringent as it is for anybody in law enforcement. You got a background check and you've got a a mental health evaluation and some other things you have to do. Um, My my brother was a corrections officer. My brother was in the Department of Corrections from 1994 until 2000. And he worked out in Florida at SMU2 at the special management unit. So I know a little bit from hearing his stories of being inside. Now, these men and women that are in the Department of Corrections in our prison system, same with the jails, you are basically locked down with the inmates through your full shift. The only difference between you and an inmate sometimes is that you get to go home at the end of your shift, but you are still locked down with some people that sometimes are very, very dangerous. You may be dealing with addicts that are high in jail or addicts that are also not just high in jail, but maybe be having a withdrawals from not getting the drugs they need. It becomes a very dangerous situation. There is a lot of violence in our prisons and in our jail systems, and they do everything they can with technology, with locks and cameras to keep those things to a minimum and how you move inmates. But one thing you can't account for necessarily is having a rogue employee. And in this case, you know, is it I I don't think that it 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 stains the entire agency. I just think people realize it's it's a bad egg. But the um, the uh, sheriff is going to buy new equipment. He's going to buy scanning equipment for all of the jails that everybody will have to go through when they come in, whether they are visitors, whether they are employees, to make sure that they're scanning much like airport scanners. And unfortunately, I think it's necessary. I believe I believe this in our jail system and in our prison system is a much bigger problem, not necessarily employees bringing in the drugs, although I think that does happen more often than any of us want to even look at or admit. But I, I think it also happens where visitors are bringing them in or somehow they're getting into the jails or into the prisons and it's a very dangerous situation and this sheds a lot of light on it when the sheriff talks about that many overdoses inside maricopa county jails it's something that's got to be handled and i think this is money well spent especially when he talks about the lawsuits there are lawsuits that are uh, you know that the city faces i'm sorry the county faces when things like this happen so um one of the things i appreciated with with Sheriff Penzone and watching last night and especially listening to the extensive interview this morning on Arizona's Morning News is uh, the swiftness of the sheriff 
taking this on, coming and getting out in front of it and talking to the public. It can't be easy. I mean, you're wearing the same uniform that this young man has been wearing for the time that he's been in service. You've got a bunch of people that work for you now that look, you know, or at least are, you know, the suspicion now is who else is up to this? What's going on? You've got an agency now that's got to be angry about one of their fellow employees making them all look bad and making their jobs more dangerous. But at least the sheriff came out, talked to the public and said, yes, this is what happened. This is what we found. This is what we're charging him with. And then he finished up where he talked about it, at least in part, about this is what I'm going to do about it. Uh, We are going to employ these machines that scan much like they do in airports to make sure that uh, people are not bringing contraband into the jails. Um, And it's the best we can hope for. I don't think anything is 100 percent, but a dramatic drop in the ability to get contraband into the jails is necessary. And unfortunately, in this day and age that we're in, it's also necessary to screen employees. And I don't think employees should have a should have a problem with that. I think when you find out that this has happened, I would imagine that there are people that are listening now that work for the Department of Corrections that probably know this is going on more than most people know it's going on. And you do the best you can to navigate it. It's a it's a tough job. It is a scary job. I want you to think about, you know, I having visited myself and gone in with church groups into prisons and doing programs at Christmas time and things. Um, even when you're a guest, even when you are, you feel very safe. And I always did when I went in. It's ominous when you see how outnumbered the people that are working within the jail system or the prison system are compared to the number of inmates. When you see some of the violence that erupts, what seems to be uh, so instantaneously um, that it, it just all of a sudden just sets off like a tinderbox. It is sometimes a very, very dangerous place to work. Now you employ this element or you bring this element into it with drugs and somebody working for the jail system bringing those drugs in. You're compromised all over the place. So I'm glad that the sheriff jumped on top of this. It was good that he got in front of this the way he did, and I think it was the best way of handling it. Uh, Coming up in a moment, Ben Toma is going to join us, uh, Speaker of the House of Representatives here in the state of Arizona and the state legislature. We're going to talk about the priorities in the House, working with a Democrat governor. Are there areas where he believes already that they can work together and get things done? And we're going to talk about the uh, aggregate expenditure limitation for schools, whether or not that's going to be overridden sooner rather than later. So please stick around for all of those conversations. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Thanks for being here this morning. Uh, Changes at the state legislature, new session, beginning new governor in office. Joining us now, the Speaker of the House, Ben Toma. Uh, Mr. Speaker, welcome to the show. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Um, I read an interesting statistic about you. Uh, You are the highest ranking member of the government in the United States that's Romanian born. Is that true? I think it's a relatively short list, but I think it is true. (laughs) No, but congratulations on that. That's got a pretty significant accomplishment, I think. (laughs) <laughs> no, I appreciate it. Uh, I do. It's uh, it's an honor. Let's talk about the changes that are happening. A very thin majority for Republicans in the House and the Senate, but now you're working with a Democrat governor. Have you found places where you believe you've got common ground with the new governor? It's a great question, and I, I do think that there are places where we do have common ground with, with the new governor. But, you know, details matter. 
and uh, and also tone matters when it when it comes to engaging on some of those harder issues. Uh, I think one place that uh, that we definitely could see some uh, some some good work from both sides and some ability for us to move forward would be on the water issue. As, as one example, uh, I'm also heartened to hear that um, since, since the governor did mention it in her state of the state address, that uh, that now the, they're going to be paying attention to what's going on at the border. And that's something that we've been for 100 percent, if you will, on the Republican side for for years now. We've been we've been literally screaming it in, in many cases uh, that that's something we absolutely need to need to put a stop to the trafficking that happens there, the uh, the, the fentanyl issue and uh, all the illegal immigration uh, issues that, that have been happening uh, from the federal level. And I get that that's mostly a federal level issue, but the fact that uh, we had to, 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 to do certain things like put up the, the barrier wall with the containers that uh, Governor Ducey put up is, is just... Uh, we, as you can tell, we've tried to do everything we can to to to, to stem that issue. Uh, the under the previous administration, the border strike force was assembled and was deployed down near the border to help those border counties. Um, is that going to remain in place, as far as you know, or is that governor's decision not made on that? I I honestly haven't heard what she's going to decide on that, but I I'm 100 percent for preserving the border strike force and. Uh, I, I think any of those that are willing to crack down on illegal immigration as well as, and more importantly, human and drug trafficking, as I mentioned before, is is something we absolutely have to do as a border state. So I, I do hope that uh, that she leaves that in, in place and that uh, she's willing to work with us and uh, actually puts action behind uh, the, the words that have been spoken thus far. There were two things that you have been uh, you've been very well known for. One is uh, rewriting the tax code and, and dropping the taxes where we have them in the state of Arizona. And the other is the expansion of school choice in the state of Arizona. How do both of those in your mind, how are they going to fare with the new path of this governor? Well, it, it you know, was a little bit um, disheartening, to be honest with you, to hear the, the attack on school choice in the state of the state address, uh, especially since I was sitting behind the governor at the time. And, and uh, as you mentioned, uh, everyone knows that that was my uh, my baby, if you will, uh, for the for the last uh, for the last session. Um, you know, I, I think, first of all, Arizonans want school choice. It's a very different world than it was in 2017 and 2018. That's a that's a favorite talking point of the left. But um, especially post covid Parents have, have demanded choice, and and I don't think that giving parents choice is equivalent to being anti-public education, which is a very tired cliche that um, that is evidence-free and that just doesn't turn out to be the case. I, I think I'm, I'm a pro-every-kind-of-school guy, and I think parents are pro-every-kind-of-school uh, and because of that, I, I think Arizonans want it, and we'll we will continue to have it. it, it the one the one other thing that I, I I can't let this go because because she mentioned it, and it's uh, and it's really deceptive. The average Arizonan has no way of knowing this, but the but the talking point I think was something like the this, this the DSA expansion will bankrupt the state. Uh, not only is that not true, the exact opposite is true because the cost of the state to educate someone on an ESA is lower than it is to to educate them in any other uh, form. So, so this is simply not true. Um, and and again, parents want that opportunity, and it actually is good for the state, and it's essentially a win-win for everybody all the way around. What are going to be the priorities of the House of Representatives while you're Speaker? 
Well, let's let's just remember here that the the governor is inheriting an, an economy that has been that has been doing very well, that's been growing and thriving, uh, thanks to the the what is really decades of Republican policies up to this point. And so we're going to protect those policies. And that's going to be a very important thing for us uh, this year. In addition to that, as I've said before, border, we've talked about that already, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to continue. Um, education, protecting the, the, the changes we've made in education, which, uh, which are first in the nation and are a very big deal. Taxes. It was kind of interesting to see, you know, reference to, to eliminating the sales tax on, on two items. Um, in, in, in the state of state. And look, I, I get it. I, I'm a, anything we can do to, to, to help, especially with inflation being as high as it is. I get that that's a, an important thing, but that's not really relief. I mean, life is more than just diapers and, um, and, 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 and feminine products. Right. So it's, it's considerably more. I mean, let's just look at the price of eggs. I know it's almost a tired cliche now, but uh, so because of that, I think you're going to see anything that we can do to 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 actually lower taxes, which would include things like the food tax, things like the the rental tax that uh, the renters are paying, especially with housing costs being as high as they are. Uh, those are the types of things that you're going to see the Republican caucuses focus on for the next uh, couple of years. Mr. Speaker, I appreciate the time, and I hope you'll come back as the session moves on. I'd like to talk to you about the uh, the AEL and whether or not that's going to be overridden. Can you just give me a quick answer on that? Do you think that's going to be overridden sooner rather than later? Yes, it will. We've always done it, and we're going to do it again. I appreciate the time as always, sir. Thank you. All right. That is the Speaker of the House, Ben Toma, Arizona State Legislature. Uh, coming up in just a moment, Gatos joins me, and it's the BQ poll question of the day, so stick around for it. The Gatos Big Q Poll Question, brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Hey, good morning, Gatos. You know, uh, some folks think that the government is going to come in and take their guns, right? Some do. Not true. They're going to come in and take our gas stoves. Have you heard about this story? Oh, my gosh. I've been on it for a couple of days. How hilarious is that story? It, it, it's amazing. I, 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 Boy, there's going to be a big hole in my kitchen after Biden gets done. I am, uh, I, I am uh, officially calling them assault stoves. <laughs> I, so what do you have at your house? Do you have the, the gas stove? Well, What's the flat thing called? What's the flat stove? The griddle? I don't know. Yeah, see, I have, I have, so in the old house, in the house, the rental house, that's all gas appliances. All gas, gas stove, yeah. I have a gas water heater, and I have a gas dryer. Oh, the new boy. place is all electric. Oh, geez. I don't like the electric stuff. Do I you? don't either. I, you know what? Yeah. I, I never had gas appliances until the house I was in before, and I absolutely, I worked in restaurants forever, and all they use are gas appliances. I think they're amazing. Yeah. Well, here's my cue. A new study says 13% of current childhood asthma cases can be attributed to gas stove use. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, not, I don't know if I believe that. I know. Uh, I know. I'm not a big... Uh Who's the, uh, not a big, I'm not a big environmental guy. I'm not ready. I don't want to ruin the environment, but right. I'm like, you know what? Uh, it's I, the, it's the politics a, of it. Well, yeah. And give me, you know, like the regular lights that we used to have because yeah, they're brighter. The, yeah, instead of the you CFLs. Know, what, what are these things I'm putting in the ceiling? The compact fluorescence. That's awful. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I'm asking, uh, would you uh, give up your gas stove for, for the sake of the children, Mike? <laughs> Yes or no? <laughs> uh, you know, I'm. I am thinking of 
calling the president and saying, listen, come into my house and, and rip out that stove. I need to do it for the kids. Yeah. 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 They'll get my gas stove out of my cold, dead fingers. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. How are. Okay, so 13. Uh, you know what? I, I don't have anything else to say. Uh, uh, Biden, yeah, give you the key. Come in and, and take the gas stove. <laughs> uh, I give up. All right. Well, listen, it's, I love the question because I'm talking about it again today. Uh, it's, I think it's a fun topic. So, But I appreciate the question, and I especially love the sarcasm. Yeah, I'm going to go nuke some eggs right now. All right. Good I'm job. I'm going to put them on the stove. <laughs> All right. Good job. Thanks, Gatos. See you. All right. The BQ poll question of the day brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Coming up just after 9 o'clock, Arizona Department of Education. We are going to speak with Tom Horn. He is the superintendent of public instruction in the state of Arizona. We'll talk about the plans moving forward for the state. So stick around for that.